There's a lot of talk about the future of scheduling within the SEC. Who should Auburn want to play? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. And thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy War Report Wednesday. Mike G of the War Report, our guest as he is almost every single Wednesday, this special, special day of the week. Mm. Mike G, there's been all this talk, right, about Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC and what it means, one for, I mean, there's a million different ways that it impacts everything. But as far as the scheduling goes, the year-to-year scheduling, uh, it seems to have sparked a conversation of like, okay, you know, there are so many teams from the East and the West, especially like with A&M and Missouri coming in, but they've only played each other like one time. It's crazy. So what do you think about all this? I mean, specifically with the pod system that's being proposed, right, where it's like, this three plus five is kind of something we're seeing a lot of. Three plus six, if they want to add an extra SEC game. Ross Dellinger took a stab at it, right? What some of these permanent every year opponents would look like throughout the SEC. So every team in the conference would get three. Um, and he has Auburn playing Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt mm-hmm. every year. What are your thoughts on those three potential rivalries? That feels like kind of an easy default because you don't want to destroy the traditional rivalries between Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia. Yeah. Uh, so I could see why people would put us together like that. That's really tough for Auburn. It, it almost feels like you just throw Vanderbilt in there just to not make it so brutal. <laughs> um, so, hey, here's your cupcake. Yeah, the, the Vandy ad is almost like a pity thing, right? It's like, all right, you yeah. got Bama and Georgia. Like, we can't give them somebody else competent, so let's just throw in Vanderbilt. That's, that's really what it kind of felt like, you know? Yeah, can you imagine, like, putting LSU in that group? Uh, so, I've seen this talked about a couple different ways. You have the 3-6 model, right? Three permanent uh, uh, yeah. rivals and then, you know, six rotating. And then, you know, a lot of people are talking about the one uh, – the one model where it's one and then the rest of them rotate. Uh, this is going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do this because what you're seeing in college football now is you're seeing that conferences are positioning to make sure that they are well positioned to get a team, at least one team into the playoff. Right. The pack has eliminated divisions altogether because too many times their weak divisions winner pull something off in the Pac-12 championship wins the pack, and then that team has no shot at going to the playoff, right? Well, and, and the Big Ten's kind of in the same boat too, right? Because, like, it would come down to the game. Like, whoever wins between Ohio State and Michigan, you know, the winner goes to the Big Ten championship. And it's like, why would you do that? Like, why would you set yourself up that way? And so, right. um, I, I think you nailed it. As far as conferences wanting representation in the big dance when it matters the most, especially as, you know, we're all anticipating an eventual expansion throughout the college Mm -hmm. football playoff. You want, you know, when you talk about maybe 12 teams and you're the SEC, it's like, yeah, we could get four teams in there if we do this right. So I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. 
everything everything is predicated on can we does this model allow us to get guys into the playoffs to get teams into the playoffs yeah. so the sec has been dominating every model of this since the bcs the inception of the bcs we you know we had a string of like what eight straight years mm-hmm. with uh, a team in or a champion and then the playoff created a little bit more parity there but for the most part it was still alabama winning a bunch of championships and then your occasional ohio state uh or or team like that winning it all and this what this model is going to do is you want to preserve you want to preserve traditional rivalries in the sec uh the sec it's the south man like tradition matters and so this new model can't completely destroy that but you also have to fit these new teams in and start creating new traditions so do Oklahoma and Texas become, again, traditional geographical rivals again in this new system. I've seen a lot of pods where you put those two teams back together, essentially. And then do Texas and Texas A&M play each other every year? Uh, I saw some drama around that. I don't think the Aggies want that, right? uh, I, I think that. The Aggies just don't want anything to do with Oklahoma, um, with Texas in general. No, I think that's why they left the Big yeah, Twelve. It's hilarious. It's absolutely yeah, hilarious. I, I, I love uh, the level of petty, Zach. Is is my level of petty? I love this level of petty. They said, "Well, it's we're petty, but we're like with billions of dollars being involved." And Texas is like, mm, "We need that. Uh, we need yeah. that." And the SEC is like, "We'll take you too, because that's just going to help us, and everyone benefits. Everyone wins except for Texas A and M." But yeah. You know, whatever, whatever. And don't don't call Jimbo out for it or, you know, he's going to hold a press conference and, and, and try to roast you. But <laughs> w- where do you sit on this, right? Well, actually, okay, I want to have two different conversations here. The okay. first one, the first one I want to know what you would rather see, right? And then after that, assuming we do the pods thing, which three teams would you like to see Auburn play every year? So first things first, do you like the pod situation or do you like the one plus seven? So where Auburn would get to pick, I assume they would pick Alabama. Um, and then all the other SEC games are rotating every single year. That's kind of where I'm at. Or do you like the idea of the pods and then you rotate five or six, depending if they choose to add another SEC game or not. I'm with you. I'm with, I'm with the one plus model. The only team I think Auburn needs to play every year is Alabama. That game has to be preserved for the sake of college football in general. It's just so good for college football. Sure. Other than that, I think that Auburn consistently has a crappy draw in terms of schedule. And I think that this new system potentially fixes that where we may have a more favorable schedule some years if you rotate out the other teams. And uh, it gets a lot of teams in the SEC West potentially off of that murderer's row rotation where – when you look at top 10 schedules in the country every year, there's like six to eight SEC teams in there. And like most of them are SEC West teams. So uh, maybe a little less self cannibalism in conference in the one plus model. I think if you go to the, if you do the, uh, the, the pods of four, it it's worse. It may be, it may be worse. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I have had my questions about this. I think ultimately, when it comes to the SEC, I want the SEC championship game to still mean something. Yeah. And I think the two best winning percentages need to be in that game. So, um, whatever. Did, did you see the SECs wanting to do its own playoff? That they're discussing that. I did. I did. A top and, four, like that, would be awesome. I would love. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like good for the entire sport, but selfishly, I would I, I would love all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, you're adding Oklahoma and Texas to the conference. Why not give those teams more opportunities yeah. to play each other? And then at the end of it, the top two teams standing still have a good chance of getting in that playoff. So in a year where Alabama dominates or, you know, maybe LSU dominates, and we've seen that kind of rotate through the conference over the years, um, we haven't really had a problem with having, you know, our teams are deserving. Like when was the last team from the SEC that got into playoffs that you could say wasn't deserving of being in the playoffs? Uh, but I, I think it would create some more excitement. Uh, it possibly gives us a, a couple more games to talk about. And as long as player health is considered in that model, because football is really hard on the body. So whenever you talk about playing extra games, that's more opportunities for injuries and things to go wrong. So that if you, if you get a guy, if you get all your star players hurt before the playoffs, it doesn't help you win, win at all. But yeah, to me, uh, I think that lost some of its argument uh, or at least some of its weight in an argument when the SEC, like for years, they were like, we can't add any more conference games. It's too physical. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Then COVID year happened, and it's like, well, all you did was play 10, <laughs> 10 conference games, and everybody was okay. So, like, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy that. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what would happen there. But, yeah, that'd be, that'd be totally fun. Like, just the top four overall performing teams in the SEC are seated one through four. For a chance to win the SEC championship, like that'd be that'd be a blast. That would be so fun. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like I just don't think you know. I'm not sure if I I agree on the like. I don't. I'm not sure everybody was okay in that 10, 10 game model. Uh, we skipped the spring, right? So there was a bunch of just preparation that a lot of people missed. True. Um, you know, I think that coaches scaled a lot of things. They dumbed a lot of things down for that season. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you look at, we had games canceled, like there was just a lot like that went on that season. Uh, but ultimately player health, I think player health has to be considered when you look at the pro model, even, you know, even the pros, they're, they're, they're against adding more games. They just feel like, Hey, cut out some of these meaningless preseason games, the preseason became meaningless because players don't want to go out there and get hurt. The season is already so brutal on the body and college athletes can only spend so much time training. They can't train like pro athletes. They don't have the time. They have class obligations. Now they have NIL obligations. Um, There's only so much time you could spend preparing your body for a brutal schedule like that. And uh, I mean, think about it. Even last year, you get to the national title game and Alabama's missing their best receiver through attrition through injury uh it's tough you know getting playing those extra games can be tough so uh i just i really just hope you know that we we create a model where it creates max competition we preserve traditional rivalries and it gives our conference a chance to get two teams in the playoff every year like selfishly i want to see that i want to see yeah a lot of people didn't enjoy georgia alabama playing for the national title, but I kind of like watching that. You know, the two best teams in our conference are duking it out. Both uh, both games were fun to watch. There's no question about it. All right, so if Auburn, or I guess if the SEC does do the thing where you get three protected games, which are the three for Auburn? What makes the most sense? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your uh, local chain auto parts store to give all the parts you need. So when you go to these places, they're going to do the same thing you could do by just going to rockauto.com. They're going to order a part from their warehouse. 
They're going to have less of a selection than you would have if you just took out your phone and went to rockauto.com. And you don't have to drive anywhere. It'll go right to your door. So you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, or SUV. You're right, locked on Auburn in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection. We're live to low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. That is at rockauto.com. All right, Mike G, if, if Auburn could have three protected opponents every year, mm-hmm. Ross Dellinger mm-hmm. with SI took a stab at all of them. He had Auburn having Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt. I think it's a good start. My personal preference in this would be Alabama, LSU, mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt. LSU's on my list. Okay. That that game has produced. I just game's just too good, man. Even when it's bad, it's good. Uh, I like protecting LSU as a, an opponent. And, you know, again, the third one has to just add, add us some relief. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, that's a very boring answer, but I agree. I think Alabama, LSU, and then somebody who sucks in that third spot. So if it's Vandy, you know, I feel like that spot rotates between Vandy, maybe Kentucky's kind of on the ups right uh-huh. now, but a lot of times they're terrible. Uh, you know, who who else in the SEC is terrible? Uh, the bottom of the league generally has been Vandy, Missouri, Kentucky. Yeah, Missouri, Missouri. There. Yeah. yeah, like so give give me one of those teams. Uh, but, you know, even, the, even with Missouri, you're talking about uh, since the inception of the new SEC where they joined, they played in an SEC title game. And they played Auburn. So uh, they every once in a while they find like a, a really good quarterback. It's, the SEC is just so tough, man. Yeah, give me Vandy. Vandy is definitely it. That's the one team we could count on. <laughs> Being consistently bad. That's right. Yeah, boost our graduation rates and <laughs> be terrible at football. No, I'm there with you, though, because – I think Auburn should get a nod if they're going to be a team that plays Alabama every year. Um, they they should get that nod. And I think LSU is going to kind of be expected to be a top third team as well because mm-hmm. Ross had um, Alabama, the team playing Alabama is Tennessee and LSU. Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And they've got LSU playing Ole Miss, A&M, and Alabama. That's tough. That, that could be potentially tough. And then Tennessee is Vandy, Alabama, in South Carolina. So Tennessee's kind of in the same boat, right? Like the the lesser the lesser opponents there. So um yeah, I mean I, I think it makes sense. It's also interesting, like if you go forward with this rule where you have three protected matchups every single year, do you revisit it every certain amount of years? Or is this it for, you know, the next twenty years of the SEC? I I think that's an interesting thing to look I at. Think- I think this should be something that should be it should be able to be revisited every other year. Honestly, you give yourself two years to figure out what that schedule looks like. But every other year, they should be able to relook at this and say, I, you know, because if, if it's not working, you don't want to be stuck with it for five to ten years, man. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's too easy two years out to plan a schedule, right, um, uh, that allows for you to schedule your non-conference got people that you yeah. want to schedule and then rotate in conference. They should be able to accomplish that two years out. I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. So awesome. All right. I want to continue the conversation about 
quarterbacks. We had this conversation a little bit with Charlie Five yesterday. I want to get Mike G's thoughts on Auburn's quarterback situation and the narrative around that. But first things first, I want to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. If you tuned into yesterday's show, you heard us talk about Bet Online. They put out all of the, the win totals for Power Five schools earlier this week. Auburn's over under is five and a half. So, had a lot of people reach out after that episode went up saying, quickest $100 ever put down. Highly encourage you to do that. Go to Bet Online's website and you can see Auburn's line as well as a ton of other schools there. Get in on the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mike G, there's a there's a conversation happening amongst Auburn fans, right? And I'm hearing it all the time. I'm, I'm sure you are too. Mm. And it goes something like, if Auburn's quarterback production can just get a little bit better, if it just gets a little bit better, Auburn wins more of their close games from a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that hypothesis. Like, I'm cool with that statement. I'm not cool with how, like, people are just throwing out there as, like, that's a likely thing. That you lose Bo Nix last year, who was the vast majority of the offense. He was a huge part of the offense before he got injured, of course. Um, and just the assumption that whoever wins the job, whether it's Zach Calzada, which you and I think will probably be him, TJ Finley or Robbie Ashford, whoever it is, um, there's just this assumption that whoever it is is going to be a hair above Bo Nix from last season. And I don't think that's entirely fair to say. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if fair is the right word. Um, I will tell you that I think that there was a lot of talk last year about how other aspects of the team affected the quarterback, but a lot of people did not talk about how the quarterback affected other aspects of the team. So what do we know? Statistically, we had the fourth best pass blocking line in our league last year. We had a guy, Zach Calzada, that won more games than we did playing behind statistically a bottom two pass blocking line. Where do you think, where do you think Auburn's and it's impossible to answer this, but Mm -hmm. where do you think Auburn's offensive line would have graded as far as sacks allowed and pressures allowed and things like that? If they had a less mobile quarterback back there. Um, it's hard to say, right? Because it's more, it's impossible, but it's it's still a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say because it's not just about being mobile. It's about holding how long you hold on to the ball how quickly a quarterback reads the field. There's a lot of stuff that goes – an argument that I hear a lot is is that Bo didn't get sacked a lot because – we didn't have a lot of sacks because he escaped pressure. But a lot of those times where he escaped pressure, it didn't necessarily – it was unnecessary. The, the pressure wasn't there. Like, Zach, the pressure wasn't there as much as people thought it was because we had the fourth best pass blocking line in our league. It, those, those advanced statistics account for things like QB scrambles. So you can't just kinda, say kind of, but, but it's, a, but, it's a, but it's a distance thing, right? Like it's a distance thing. Well, we know, well, we know, we know exactly how many plays that was. Those are statistics that they keep. When you go back and you look at it at the end, but they're of the not day, weighted the same though. Like when you're grading you these things, like they're not weighted the same. Like when they, they, when they score that somebody leaves the pocket, it's not going to be charted. It's not going to be likely as charted as allowing a pressure. That that's a pro football focus thing. I mean, there's no perfect way to score it, but I think it is. I think it is though. I think that when 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 a QB leaves the pocket, right? What they're looking, they're breaking down why the QB left the pocket. Did he leave on his own? That's not a QB pressure. If he had to reasonably, um, and that's what advanced statistics are. They take all those things into account to say, hey, 
you know, this was a QB pressure, or was it the same way that they look at factors on drops, right? It's all subjective. Think about last year. Everybody said we had 16 drops versus Georgia. We didn't have 16 drops versus Georgia because all people saw was the, the ball get to the wide receiver and then not be caught. Well, Bo was throwing it too hard, right? <laughs> well, the, 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 the people who know what they're doing, right, and it keep those advanced statistics, the, the, the scouts, they see, hey, there were other factors in why that ball wasn't caught. So is it more on the receiver or does a, there are enough other external factors about why that ball doesn't caught that that doesn't get recorded as a drop? Um, there's a guy on Twitter that keeps stats, uh, the uh, Stat Tiger, I think it's called. Stat Cat. Yeah, like, I mean, it, but he has, he had Auburn with like 14 more drops than pro football focus had. Mm. And I'm like, how is this guy recording drops? Uh, he's there's no nuance to his numbers. Obviously, that's the only way that you come up with that number. And I don't think he, he had Kobe Hudson with 15 drops last year. And I don't. I try to explain to people. I'm like, do you understand how crazy that number is? 15 drops. There's no way you stay on the field. That's a lot. If you had 15 drops, I don't care if he was our best wide receiver. I don't care what else he did. If he dropped the ball truly 15 times, mm -hmm. he wouldn't have been in the lineup. He'd have been on the bench. So. Again, when you're looking, you know, people are saying going back to quarterback because that's what we're talking about, right? right? It is Auburn a better team with slightly better quarterback play, and the answer is yes because a lot of the pieces but, are the but, same. But that's not what we're talking about, though. We're, we're, we're talking about is it easy? Is it is it a lazy take to just assume that Auburn's quarterback position will be a little bit better from a year ago? That's yeah, that's the narrative think, here. Yeah, I, I don't think you can assume anything. I think making assumptions, but is it reasonable? I get. I think is the question. The question is: Is it reasonable to say that we could get better production out of the quarterback position mm -hmm. than we did last year? I think it is reasonable to say that because of how much time our quarterback last year had to play quarterback from the pocket and produce great, great games. And then the lows were still too, really low. I don't even think that we need, honestly, Zach, here's where I'm at. Okay. I think, I, I, I'm not so sure it's about the ceiling. We don't need a guy, Georgia has proven this, right? We don't need a guy to go out there and win the Heisman every game. What you need is, is you need a guy who will go out there sometimes and just not lose the game for you. Right. Right. You need a guy who can go out there and not have a Georgia State or Texas A&M or a South Carolina type game. Last year. Yeah, sure. Right. And that, that's both quarterbacks I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So just bad performances that keep your team from having a chance to win the game. That's all I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I think I think that all three quarterbacks that we have on our roster have that potential. The, the question is, will they? I don't think you can assume. But in year two of mm -hmm. this system, uh, in year two of this system with a guy like TJ Finley who's been through it one year and another guy in Zach Calzada who's done it in the SEC, mm -hmm. when you look at his numbers, he was only 55% completion percentage, but he played behind literally the, the only O-line that was worse than his last year was Bama's. They were terrible. Mm -hmm. And they graduated their entire offensive line right before he came in. So Kellen Mond played behind the most experienced line in the SEC. And then Zach Calzada came in behind the most inexperienced line in the SEC. I don't care how good their recruiting classes were. There was no experience on that line. It showed. And what I saw was I saw a guy who hung in the pocket and delivered passes enough to win them some really, really big games. 
and they had an average season, but there were, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think that if he had had our pass blocking last year, he'd had a much better season. So the receivers play better when the quarterback is more accurate. I think that can be him. I think it could be any of the quarterbacks on our roster. Uh, It's a toss. It's a coin flip. I mean, you have to be skeptical about what you haven't seen. Mm -hmm. The sample size at Auburn is zero. So I understand people's hesitation to say, I'm not sure if we're going to get better because historically we just haven't seen it. It comes to Auburn like once every four years, it feels like. Cam Newton, you know, a few like three, four years later, Nick Marshall, three, four years later, Jared Stidham. Like, guys aren't our fans are just not used to seeing that. So I understand the hesitation to say, to assume that it's going to be better. But is it reasonable? Is the better question to think that we could get better quarterback play than we had last year? And I think it is reasonable, especially in year two. And I'll tell you, we're in an interview series right now with a lot of the players. Uh, we interviewed Coach Harson. Uh, last week, right? hearing about how things are going, seeing the work that they're putting in, it's really hard to root against them, man. Like, it is. And that's this is a homer take. 100% this is a homer take. That's fine. So, There's nothing so wrong me, with that. There's yeah, nothing wrong with I mean, if you're there. listening to this, for the most part, there there is a chunk of the fan base that, like, yeah. likes to hate on Auburn, even though they're Auburn fans. But uh, for yeah, the most part, people, people listening to an Auburn show in May, they're, um, you know, they're, they're wanting Auburn to do well. Um, yeah, but it's, I, was, it's still interesting, like thing. that it's gotten to the point where like, you know, when you sprinkle positivity, it's like seven wins. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, um, I'll tell you what, but I think that that's reasonable in year two for a second year coach in the SEC. If you're building a program, I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to, to win seven games and not be and still have hope for the next season. There are going to be some disappointing losses next season. Zach. There are going to be some disappointing losses next season. There are going to be some seasons where we're all sitting here scratching our heads like, man, we could have won that. But so hold on. let's go through the second year coaches in the conference. All right, let's do this. So we did this on our show, by the way. So Vandy, Vandy is projected two and a half wins. Mm-hmm. And then South Carolina is projected six and a half wins. Is that it? Those are all the second year coaches. I think was it just three? Or is there a fourth one? I'm trying to look and see who it would have been. Who would have been a new coach last year? Um, Bama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, LSU. No, State. I think you're right. That's it. Because everybody Missi- else is Mississippi been in State and Lane Kiffin. This is their third year, right? Right. Correct. Missouri. Ten- oh, Tennessee with Hypel. They're projected seven and a half. This is Hypel's second year, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. So Tennessee and South Carolina are both expected to do more this year per Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, their schedules at, are easier. And look at Tennessee, man. Like, you know, look what they had to go through last year just to find some positive momentum going in. The guy they started at quarterback is that the game one is not the guy who finished. Right. They had to find a guy during the season. And it turned out much to some people's shock that the guy who won the job in the spring wasn't the best guy on the roster. I don't know why our fans have so much problem with that concept that sometimes the guy that wins the job is not the best guy. It's just, you know, they're making the the coaches have tough decisions to make. Wait, what are you, what are you saying there though? Are you saying that, are you saying that Bo Nix wasn't the best quarterback on the roster last year? No, no. I'm saying that it's possible that whoever wins the job may or may not be the guy still. 
right? We don't okay. have to be completely married to the guy who wins the job. Got it. And I think that our quarterback room overall is in better shape than it was last year. Yeah, but I mean, if I mean, if Harson if Harson misses and he doesn't nail the right guy, um, and you lose you to, to Penn State and LSU, like it, it's over. Like it's done. You have to, His you tenure have to at Auburn is over. Quick. Yeah, yeah. You have to correct course quickly. That's where I'm at. Like, yeah. you know, if you start, whoever you start, if he's not the guy, you have to figure it out before the season comes off the rails. And that's what those first five games are for. So that doesn't mean, and what I, I mean by that is. But if you wait five games, Mike G, it's over. It's too late. Well, if you wait five games, you should know what you have. That's the assumption. The assumption is by game five, we have the guy. My my thing is, is, is that you, you can look at a team and a quarterback, Zach, in a win and say, we need to make a change. You have that opportunity the first two games where, I mean, the, the wheels really have to come off the wagon for us to lose. Right. But if we're ineffective at that position and we still win, you can still make a change. And I think yeah. that has been... That's, that's you know, such a tough thing to see, but you're totally right. I mean, yeah, we're, we're yeah. just like, like a different... coaches can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if our coach is worth worth the money that we're paying, paying him, $5 million, he should be able to look at a win and say, you know what? We didn't get it done. we got to yeah. make a change here. Or we're not, or if we play like that versus Penn State, we're gonna lose. Yeah. So right. you know that's 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 the decision, the hard decision that the coaches have to make. You don't have to wait until we lose everything to make the change. And that's where I felt that was my frustration with last year. In hindsight, I have to admit, um, I think they did the best that they could. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty made. clear Bonex was the best quarterback on the roster last year. Yeah, I mean, and, and for a lot of reasons. Like, I mean, uh, the best quarterback on this roster, I don't think it's saying a bunch, but, you know, you got you brought a guy in who did not have a spring with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, and we weren't set up well, and then you had a true freshman behind him who there were some other problems that we found out later, and now he's not on the roster. Right. So, so no, that's, that's not to say that he was so great. That's just to say um, we didn't have a lot of options, but that, that has been – Auburn traditionally at quarterback over the last 10 years. The second guy. I mean, maybe, right? but like, I mean, that doesn't I mean anything pre Harson doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of fan perspective, right? Like, we're trying to break that mentality that this one guy is it, and there's no way that the guy behind him, like, you know what I hate is the whole the whole idea that, oh, you know, the backup quarterback is, is always the most popular guy on campus. And I'm just like, I just... I hate that. I hate that because coaches are human, man, and they make mistakes as well, too. And sometimes there's no way to evaluate a guy until you put him in a game and see how he reacts. But that's, that's also it. not true. Like, no one cared who the backup was with Cam. Nobody because, cared who the back Because he was good. Yeah. Well, that's my point. That's my, that, I mean, if you, if, if, point, if you have a good quarterback, they're not worried about that. And, like, there were people that were worried about the backup quarterback with Nick Marshall, but that was just dumb. Like, that was a bad take, and I told you that then. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, it, they shouldn't have felt that way with when Stidham was here either, but they did because they were enamored with, you know, a guy who's now an NFL quarterback, so I get it. But um, good stuff as always, Mike G. How can people mm-hmm. find you, hear you, watch you, support you, all that good hey, stuff, man? listen, go on over to YouTube. Uh, we're doing an interview series right now. Um, where we're interviewing a lot of players and we have one with Coach Harson that's live now for our members. We'll release Ooh. that later for everybody. Uh, he even did a film review with us. So Coach Harson sat down and broke down some quarterback film with us. 
like what I saw and heard from him. Uh, lots of great stuff with the War Report. Go check us out. Yes, check it all out. That is Mike G with the War Report. Be sure to tune in to our show tomorrow. SI's John Garcia. We'll talk all things Auburn Cruton. You can follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. Read all of my written work at AuburnDaily.com. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.